Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of One Immune Voice. This is a podcast on autoimmune and immune-mediated conditions brought to you by Janssen UK. My name is Claudia Hammond. I'm an author and broadcaster specialising in health and psychology. Now, in the last episode, we were talking about something called supported self-management. And in this final episode of the series, we're going to look in more detail at how to do it because it is something that can take a while to get used to. But fear not, because I'll be joined by two guests who have some invaluable tips that might come in handy, whether you have a condition yourself or a friend or a relative does. And later on, we're going to hear from Ailsa about her experiences of managing her rheumatoid arthritis. Experience that could be useful whatever your condition. Now our partners are six patient organisations focusing on different conditions all caused by the malfunctioning of our immune system and in each episode of One Immune Voice we're joined by two of them. And for this last episode I'm pleased to welcome Claire Jacqueline who is the Chief Executive Officer of the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society and Rachel Ainley who is the Head of Research and Evidence at Crohn's and Colitis UK. Welcome Rachel, how's your day been so far? Yeah it's been very good thank you. And welcome back to Claire. Now you joined us for the very first episode of One Immune Voice, how are you now? I'm fine thank you very much and thank you for having me back Claudia. Well, you're very welcome. So first of all, Claire, can you tell us a little more about what your organisation does? Well, the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society, it's a bit of a mouthful, so we'll call it NRAS from now on, is the only patient organisation that focuses specifically on rheumatoid arthritis and juvenile idiopathic arthritis. And really key to everything we do is that supported self-management. And Rachel, tell us a bit about Crohn's and Colitis UK. So Crohn's and Colitis UK is the UK's largest charity for people living with Crohn's and colitis, which are the two most common forms of inflammatory bowel disease. So lifelong conditions can affect your guts and also lots of other parts of your body. At the moment, we're working with health services in Sheffield and Scotland to implement a supported self-management programme into NHS services. So thinking about personalised care plans, education, and really changing that conversation around. So people living with the conditions are asked what matters to them. And there's much more of a focus on personalised care and getting the right information at the right time to help people navigate the health system, stay well, and really manage their conditions. So let me start with this whole idea of supported self-management. Rachel, what, what would you say it means? Some people may not I've heard this before. Supported self-management means different things to different people. For us, it's about working in partnership with your health and care services to encourage, support and empower people to really be in control of health and well-being. And that's health and well-being from both physical and emotionally. And Claire, what would you say it is? Well, I echo very much what you just heard. It is really about the individual and supported self-management is not a one size fits all. It's very different. All these people that live with these autoimmune conditions uh, coming from all sorts of backgrounds, it will mean something very different to a young woman of childbearing age with rheumatoid arthritis than a 55-year-old bricklayer. And what he will need to manage his disease is very different to that young woman. So it's finding your own path and the focus on self, what's right for that individual at that time. And Claire, can it cover all sorts of aspects of life? Absolutely. It's about adapting to changing circumstances, both externally, you know, about 
work and medicines and operations and things like that, but also internally, your coping mechanisms, how you're able to to manage those emotional ups and downs, which with an inflammatory condition or an autoimmune condition, it can fluctuate a lot. So while one week is fine, the next week isn't. And it's just learning how to navigate that. And what about exercise? Exercise sometimes can be a dirty word to some people. It conjures up lycra and going to the gym, but it doesn't have to be. It could be dancing, it could be swimming, it could be yoga, it could be any sort of movement. And it has got great benefits for both physical and mental health. So it's finding what works for you. And we do have excellent resources on our website at NRAS with exercise videos that you can do while you're watching TV or you're waiting for the kettle to boil. And we hear a lot these days, Rachel, about the whole idea of taking an holistic approach. What sorts of things could that include? So in terms of holistic care, it's all about thinking about the whole person, what's important to them. So asking people in appointments, what matters to you, thinking about all aspects of life from education to employment to mental health, psychological well-being. So putting the person in control of their care. And would things like diet and nutrition and exercise all come into that? Yes, most definitely. Well, I want to bring in Ailsa, who was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis more than 40 years ago. And she believes that self-management has been key to her living with the disease. So flare-ups are a real problem for people living with uh, inflammatory arthritis. And you don't know really from one day to the next how things are going to be when you get out of bed in the morning. And there are things certainly that I know uh, can trigger a flare. So for example, but if I get a bad cold or an infection of some kind, that can trigger a flare. If I have to come off my meds for any reason, that can trigger a flare. I know that cold also can trigger a flare. So I try to keep myself out of those situations as much as possible. But I also get flares that literally come out of the blue and I think, well, why is this happening? Where did this come from? Because I haven't done anything that I'm aware of that has caused it. So sometimes they just happen. If I can't get over it myself and things continue to get worse, then I email my team and they are great. They always respond very quickly. RA is a really complex disease. The supported self-management work that you have to do and incorporate into your life is something you have to learn. You don't suddenly know how to self-manage. And self-management is different from self-care. Self-management is something you have to plan for and think about. You have to learn about your disease. And knowledge is power. If you know about your disease, if you know about how to manage it well, if you know about the drugs that you're on, you're in a much better position to help yourself when things start to go wrong or when you do need to manage a flare, for example. And it's about looking after your whole self in a holistic way. So it's about thinking about what you eat, what you drink, how you exercise and how physically mobile you are. It's about looking after your emotional self as well as your physical self. And all of these things you have to learn about. Claire, Elsa had lots to say there, and I know that you know her. What's your reaction to that? What strikes you? I think it's all about um, 
getting that balance and listening to your own body and preparing for what might be coming around the, the corner to have that plan. Many of these autoimmune conditions, they just flare up for no reason, as you heard Elsa say. But to know how you might be able to manage that before it comes back to have that backup plan, I'm going to increase my pain medication or I might have to try and get some extra sleep. It's preparing and being prepared. And I think that's the key thing that I took away from listening to Elsa. It's learning how you're going to live with this condition, be it inflammatory arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, etc., Yes, I thought it was interesting that she said it's something you have to learn. It's not something you can just say from today I'm doing self-management and that's going to work. It isn't something that you just do. You don't go to a class on self-management and that's it. Tick that box. It's ongoing. It's continuous. Elsa has lived with RA for over 40 years and she's still learning. It's ongoing. Yes, it sounds as though in a way it's a kind of lifelong experiment with yourself to try to work out what you can do. Rachel, what did you make of what Elsa had to say? I thought she really hit the nail on the head. It's all about preparing for the unpredictable things that are going to happen to you when you're living with a lifelong condition that can flare as RA and inflammatory bowel disease do. Her point's about being prepared, planning, knowledge being power. I think that really echoes what we hear from people living with inflammatory bowel disease. They want support in being able to prepare for appointments and how to make the most of those opportunities and really keep themselves well. But doing that in partnership and learning all the time time from a wide range of sources, speaking to family and friends, others with the conditions, healthcare professionals, and choosing what's right for them. And Claire, I thought it was interesting that Ailsa said that self-management is not the same as self-care, because self-care is something you hear about a lot these days, isn't it? Yes, and it can be really confusing. Self-care is you cut your finger chopping something in the kitchen and you put a plaster on it to keep it clean and that's self-care and we all do that if it's pouring rain you take an umbrella out with you or you put a raincoat on but self-management is more about managing and planning as we just heard from Elsa it's quite different and I really want to focus on its supported self-management it doesn't mean you've got to do it all on your own it isn't like you've got this condition off you go manage it on your own It's supported self-management. It's knowing who are the right people to help at different stages and where to go for that support, how to navigate the healthcare system, which can be awfully, awfully confusing with lots of different people that you might have to see. So it's all of those things. It's about managing, not just the average self-care that most of us would do. I guess, Claire, it's not always easy to feel confident about doing this, even though, of course, you're the one person who knows your own condition better than anyone. What advice would you give to build confidence if somebody is living with an autoimmune or immune-mediated condition? This is going to be so different for different people. Some of us have self-confidence, others haven't, and it's not something you can necessarily learn. But I think the key thing I would recommend is acceptance. Now, acceptance doesn't mean that you're happy with the situation, but accepting that this is what it is can actually be quite liberating. You give yourself permission to deal with it and try not to deny that this is going on in your life. Often it can be easier to try and ignore it rather than accept it. But by accepting it, you're giving yourself permission to feel angry and sad 
and frustrated because that's okay. You've got this long-term condition. It's okay to go through a, a grieving process and feel that loss and that guilt perhaps that comes along with any of us who have experienced something like a loss. But acceptance, I think, is the key to that first step on good self-management. That's a very powerful idea. And Rachel, what practical tips on self-management would you want to pass on to people who are listening? Self-management is all about getting the information that you need to build your skills and confidence. And as Claire was saying, that is going to be very different for different people. We would really advocate people going to patient charities, learning about conditions, speaking to others that are in similar circumstances and trying to get to the point where you can feel in control with a condition that is unpredictable, but preparing for those challenges and I guess confident about when to seek help. We have some practical tools on our website, for example, our appointments guide that can help people prepare for appointments, think about what they want to focus on, what are the real issues that matter to them at that moment, because it's not just about symptoms and treatments. This is about thinking about the whole person, as we've said, really holistically and what's important to them at that time. Different organisations offer different things. What sort of practical tools can your organisation offer, Claire? Well, very similar uh, things. We've got lots of information, etc., and booklets. But one of the key things that we can offer, and it's about managing that unpredictability of things, we have an online module called Managing Pain and Flares. Uh, it's a uh, free service it's called smile ra which means uh, self-management individualized learning environment nice and positive uh, <laughs> word there nice. smile ra but also about how to get the best out of your consultation that's going to be our next module so it's finding what works for that individual but the key thing is getting evidence-based information internet can be great but there is a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. out there as well so I would urge people to go to the reliable sources like Crohn's and Colitis UK, like NRAS, etc., and all the evidence-based patient organisations. I think that's an interesting point. And Rachel, I'm guessing as, some, as someone with evidence in your job title that you would concur with that. I would definitely concur with that. Um, there's a wealth of information out there and knowing what to trust, it can be really difficult. So as much as possible, staying with websites like the NHS, recognised patient charities, that's going to have very reliable, up-to-date, evidence-based information to help you make the right choices. And what about involving friends and family in your self-management? Are there ways of getting them on board, Rachel? Yes, definitely. Speaking to friends and family, we know that at the right time for different people, they will bring in friends and family. And that's that's a really strong way of supporting yourself. Some people find it easier than others to talk to people about what's going on in their lives. Um, and we've run campaigns in the past to help people do that. It Takes Guts was one of our campaigns to help people really speak out about what's, what's happening to them and, and help people connect with others. We also have virtual social events where people living with inflammatory bowel disease can connect with others in a similar situation virtually, which have proved really popular. So that's one benefit that's come through COVID is the more online offerings from patient charities. Well, let's hear some more from Ailsa and the role played by the people close to her. In regard to involvement of my friends and family, they are very involved And I think that's really, really important. There are days when you need help and you need to call on your friends and family for support. And there are days you feel, actually, I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm going to be independent and I'm going to do my own thing. 
and sometimes friends and family can get it wrong and want to help you when actually you don't need or want help. So that's a fine balance sometimes that you have to learn to tread, but so, so important. But I think it's really important here if you want medical information to ask your team, your team will be very happy to provide you with information and always go prepared when you're having a consultation because you don't see your team very often. If you have got queries and questions, make a note of them and make sure you ask when you're in front of your team because it's really important to get all the information that you want and need to help you self-manage. That tip about being prepared before you go to consultations has come up again and again during this series. I think it's such a strong tip there. Claire, what what do you make of what Elsa had to say there? I think it's interesting, this idea that, of course, friends and family sometimes, with the best of intentions, get it wrong. Absolutely. And I think we've got to remember that when we, as patient organisations, we talk about supporting people living with whatever the condition is, living with rheumatoid arthritis, and it isn't just the person with the diagnosis it's happening to the entire family is really important try not to shut them out because they do want to help and in a way they're living with your disease as well and so allowing them to help and support in in the appropriate way is helping them to live with your disease and Rachel what's your reaction to what Elsa had to say Similarly, as you say, preparing for appointments comes up all the time and it is so important. We know that health services are stretched and people have a finite amount of time to get across what they need, get the information that they need to stay well. So making the most of that time is really important. But yeah, involving friends and family um, is obviously key. Developing a support network, whatever works for the individual is so key. And because we're coming to the end of this series of podcasts, One Immune Voice, I'd love to take some time to reflect in a way on the three big topics that we've covered. So there's supported self-management, of course, that we've been talking about, and also mental health and well-being and navigating the health system. So I'd like to ask each of you what the key points are for you that people should remember. Let's start with navigating the health system. Claire, what would you say is important to know there? I think it's familiarising yourself with the who's who in your own team. Ask the question, what's your role? if you get that opportunity in clinic or again reach out to patient organizations like ourselves and we'll explain who are all these people and how to actually connect with the right person for whatever the situation is that you're dealing with at the time so could it be the physio that might help you could it be your gp maybe it's your pharmacist that can help with the situation but knowing All their different roles will really help you as an individual navigate that system. Yeah, so if you can find out exactly who does what, that's going to make it a whole lot easier. And Rachel, what would you say? So I was going to reflect on the the pre-diagnosis, which I know was talked about in a previous episode. And that's really important for us at the moment because we know that far too many people are living with undiagnosed symptoms of Crohn's and colitis. So really being able to empower people to say, do I have symptoms of a long-term condition? Could I have Crohn's or colitis? And getting into the healthcare system as early as possible, because that all important diagnosis is going to be the first step in order to to get a diagnosis, get treatment. Yeah, and it's hard there, isn't it? Because people can't even necessarily get help from patient groups. If they don't know what it is they've got, then you don't know which group to look up, if you like. 
Yes. And then people start looking on the internet, um, Googling symptoms. It can be really difficult. So yes, as we were saying earlier, looking at trusted source of advice it, whilst you're still waiting for a diagnosis and you're not sure which patient charity is the one for you. And meanwhile, people are trying to protect their own mental health, either while they're waiting to get a diagnosis or, or even when they've got their diagnosis as well. What's important to remember there? With long-term conditions, autoimmune conditions, there's that circle isn't there your physical health affects your mental health your mental health affects your physical health so just recognizing that and really working with your team letting them know how you are feeling what support you need and asking for help when it's needed whether that's from your gp from friends family from psychology services etc so being open and asking for help when it's needed and Claire, you appeared in one of our episodes about mental health what, what would you say is important to remember one of the things to get across is When we talk about mental health, I think generally we're always thinking about mental health issues. But actually, we all have mental health, but we all want to have good mental health. So it's probably trying to change the narrative a little bit so that when we're talking about mental health, we're talking about actual good mental health. It isn't just when you have a a diagnosis of depression. Mental health is the same as our physical health and there shouldn't be that stigma around it or even talking about emotional health rather than perhaps mental health. And I wonder whether either of you have any final practical tips, however small, because I know small things can make a real difference. Is there anything else practical that people could do that we've not talked about? Claire, let me ask you first. It is that uh, connecting with others, be that virtually, you can do so now uh, online a lot easier. So it doesn't matter whether you're in Aberdeen or Torquay, it's now much easier to connect with others like you and connect through uh, a helpline, online communities, listen to podcasts like this, Facebook live broadcasts, there's so much rich information out there that you can connect with and educate yourself. And I think the key tip for anyone living with any autoimmune condition or any long-term condition is don't think you're alone. You're not alone with your condition. There are others who've been there and they're really wanting to help and support and we are there to guide you in the right way so that you get off to the best start with your condition rather than floundering and feeling completely isolated. Um, So reach out. Don't be afraid to connect with others. And is that something that can be helpful, Claire, even though, as we were saying before, you know, everyone's condition is slightly different. Everyone's going to be affected in different ways. So the people you talk to may not be experiencing exactly what you are, but can that still be helpful? I think it can because be it psoriasis or IBD or RA, there is a similarity to living with a long-term condition and the unpredictability of these conditions, the way we heard from Elsa about the flares. And there are techniques to learn, regardless of what the condition is, about how to manage that and how to, as I said, navigate the, the health system as well. And Rachel, do you have any final tips that you'd like people listening to know? As Claire said, knowing that you're not alone, and there's lots of ways that patient charities can help you connect with others. We all have helplines, we have information, we can help you, as I mentioned, our virtual social events. So just realising you're not alone, asking, looking, seeing what's out there. 
And let me ask both of you, how do you hope people will use this series of podcasts? Rachel, what would you say? I hope that people will listen to these podcasts, realise that the issues that we're talking about affect a large number of people. They're not alone. They're empowered to go and look for help, talk to people. And for me, it's all about supported self-management. All the episodes uh, we talked about from mental health to navigating the health system, it's all encompassed in that overall supported self-management journey. And I think it really is a journey for people. It continues um, and develops throughout people's lives and the course of their disease. Claire, how do you hope people will use this series of podcasts? Well, I hope that's what has come across is that Asking for help actually shows great strength um, to realise that I'm not sure what's going on here. I might need some help. Asking for it and allowing others to help is a real strength and will give you that resilience to to be able to self-manage your condition. Well, thank you so much to Claire Jacklin from the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society and Rachel Ainley from Crohn's and Colitis UK. And I wanted to thank Ailsa as well. And of course, all the people who have so kindly shared their experiences with us in this series. And that is the last episode in this series of One Immune Voice. But remember, you can hear all of them online as many times as you want to and find the bits you want to hear again. And if you found this useful, don't forget you can like, share and subscribe to One immune voice on whichever platform you use. And as I mentioned, there are episodes on mental health and on navigating services, and there's more on supported self-management as well. And thank you for listening. I hope you found it helpful. And thank you to everyone who's taken part. And we've heard from six organisations, and I'm just going to remind you who they are. Crohn's and Colitis UK, IBD Relief, Lupus UK, the National Axial Spondyloarthritis Society, and the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society, and the Sarasis Association. So thank you so much to all of them. And do visit their websites for all sorts of useful information and support. And this podcast was brought to you by Janssen UK. Thanks again. We're looking forward to growing our One Immune Voice community in the future. I'm Claudia Hammond. Take care. One Immune Voice is a podcast series initiated and funded by Janssen UK. All participants have been reimbursed for their time. The views, information or opinions expressed during One Immune Voice are solely those of the contributors and do not represent the views of Janssen UK. The primary purpose of One Immune Voice is to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should contact their prescribing physician if they have any concerns about their treatment.